We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Welcome to Making Queer History. I'm Laura Mills, the founder and head writer, and... And I'm Will. I am the other person you're listening to right now. Will helps with moral support, making tea, sometimes helps edit the article, sometimes writes them themselves. I've written one article so far. And it was perfect. Thank you. I try my best. Today we're going to be talking about Bricktop or Ada Smith. Uh, actually, I'm going to correct you there. That's Ada Beatrice Queen Victoria Louise Virginia Smith. Which is why I'm going to be calling her Bricktop for the rest of this episode. That's why we call her Bricktop. And the next episode, because this is going to be a two-parter, because we love Bricktop, and there is so much information about her. You literally cannot just say one thing about Bricktop. There's There's no way. Bricktop is the coolest person who's ever existed. Probably. And yeah, you just gotta have at least a two-parter about her. Exactly. So we're going to be having a two-parter. For Black History Month first. Yeah. And then we have Women's History Month next month. Yep. So we're, we're, we're getting both out of the way. Yes. We're celebrating both. Which is perfect. Ada Smith, because she's an amazing African-American woman. Exactly. I will be using the term African-American throughout this whole episode because she disavowed the term black. Yes. Even though, you know, other people are comfortable with it. You'll respect what she likes to be called. All right. So before we jump in. We have a couple things to say, like usual. Um, you should check us out on all of our social medias, um, including Instagram and Making Queer History, Tumblr, Making Queer History, Facebook. I think it's just Queer History there. We also have an email where you can contact us if there's any corrections or if you just want to, you know, chat, have any suggestions for who we w- you want us to talk about next. Um, it's queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. So send in all of your corrections and amazing commentary there. Check out our Redbubble. Yes, we have some amazing designs on our Redbubble store. You can find that at our website at www.makingforhistory.com. I was putting up the suspense page. I'm so sorry. Also, also, don't forget to review us on iTunes. That helps other people find us. And also, I get to look at the reviews and feel good about myself. Except when they say we talk about our personal lives too much, and then I ignore it. And talk about my personal life. Has that happened? That, that, yeah, that's one of the comments on it. Oh, okay. They didn't like us because we talked about our personal life. Which, you know, fair enough. It's not everyone's thing. There's some other great podcasts to look at if you're looking for queer history that is more, you know, um, focused on the history itself. Queer's Fact is a great one. I think there's just Queer History, the podcast, which is also great. Those are two great ones. Check them out if you don't want to hear us talk about our personal lives. Yeah, because there's no way we're going to stop talking about ourselves. We heard to talk about queer history, but we're also here. We talk about just queerness in general, we're which includes us. History. Exactly. Right now, As by doing whatever we're doing, which honestly, I don't know at this point. Yeah, it's it's happening at least. It's happening and we're making queer history just by being queer, which is one of the tenets we live by. And we also want to bring you guys a little bit into our amazing, cool, queer lives. Thinking about our amazing, cool, queer lives, there's been some new developments in them. Yeah. That being... This amazing, cool, queer person is going to be speaking at McEwen University during Pride Month. for the Pride inquir- Week. Pride Week, I'm so sorry. It's okay. For the Inquiries uh, Club, 
If there's anyone in the Edmonton area, come on out. Do you want to hear me talk in a way that you also see my face? Which is a good face, so... It's a great face. I want to to certify this. Thank you. My fiancé has certified that I have a good face, so that's an unbiased source, obviously. 10 out of 10 face. Thank you. So if you want to hear me talk about queer history, check out McEwen University during Pride Week. Yeah. Another thing for the Edmonton folks, we have someone who we're working with right now, uh, a project called All Cycles, which works to get um, materials for periods and menstruation to anyone who needs them. That's They're also working to just destigmatize periods in general. And working to be more inclusive. Can I say that? Yeah, inclusive is a good word. Yeah, and easier to deal with. Trans people especially do have trouble with periods, whether that's getting the right period materials, dealing with dysphoria that exists with that. There's some great information and there's some great resources with all cycles. We know one of the people who works there. They're awesome. They know what they're doing. Don't forget to check them out. Yeah, so especially if you're in the Edmonton area. Pretty much only if you're in the Edmonton area. Because it's an Edmonton-based thing. True. But if you're outside, I guess you can check it out. Maybe you can, like... I was going to say email them pads, but I don't think you can do that. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Fax them pads. <laughs> I don't think that's better. But maybe they like, take money donations. I don't know. We're still working with them and, like, still talking out the details. So I don't know everything about it. But check them out. Edmonton area people, donate pads. To all cycles. I know there's at least a donation center with Queer Flex, which is another cool queer organization in Edmonton. There's so many cool queer organizations in Edmonton. If you want to talk more about queer things in Edmonton, you can email us. Yes, and we'll continually talk about Edmonton until we've alienated every single one of our other viewers. Yeah, or until we've moved from Edmonton. Oh yeah, and then we'll completely forget it existed. Yes. Because, yeah, I don't actually care about Edmonton. I care about like some of the people in Edmonton. But, but not Edmonton itself. No YUG Pride. No. Except for the Pride Festival, obviously, yes. which we... Eh, it it's, okay. it's okay, yeah. They played Kanye West there, which was weird. Uh, here's what they were complaining about, us talking about a personal life too much. But yeah. They, they played Kanye West at the Pride set, uh, Pride Festival, right? And Or the Pride Parade. And I'm like, I like Kanye West. But literally in the song they're playing, they have to censor him out saying a homophobic slur. I'm like... I enjoy Kanye West, but uh, maybe this isn't the best Pride song, y'all. Yeah. And it was just because it was very corporate feeling Pride. Because, you know, mostly corporations were involved and they didn't 100% cater to what Pride's actually about. Those are our opinions on the YEG Pride. Let's move on and talk about Bricktop. Or do you want to still talk about... I feel like we've alienated some of our Edmonton viewers now. Yeah, we've both alienated our Edmonton viewers. And our non-Edmonton viewers. Fuck. Perfect. No one will listen to us. (laughs) That's the idea. Except for the FBI agent, Doug. We love you, Doug. uh, Who's assigned to us. Yeah, he's he's just listening in. They had to grab um, a gay agent. Because obviously listening to this podcast makes you gay. It does. And we're Canadian, but the FBI listens to us, obviously. Yeah. We're cool. (laughs) All right, to start off talking about Bricktop and move on from our personal lives, I would like to start off with one of my favorite quotes about anyone that I've ever written about. And it's about Bricktop. She was a lady of the dawn who drank only champagne and expected a rose from every male visitor. Jim Haskins. 
That's good. It's a great way of describing an incredible woman. That's really good. Uh, I, I have a quote from Langston Hughes. Okay, we're just like... Yeah, we're talking banging about the quotes. Say, yeah. You liked Bricktop right away. She liked everybody and made everybody like her. True. That's pretty much what we're going to be talking about during this first episode. Because, honestly, I could have an entire 1,800-word article just listing off the people who loved Bricktop, which is an incredible thing. Everyone loved Bricktop. Everyone loved Bricktop. I literally have just, like, a huge list right here of people that I should mention loved Bricktop because she was just an incredible person, and she knew a lot of pretty incredible people as well. And some people who were less incredible, but, you know, they still liked her, so, you know. Mm -hmm. So, do you want to start from the beginning? Yes. I want to say we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that was in the articles, was not in the articles, because... The articles were actually pretty limited on that because her life was so full and there was so much happening. We had to be vaguely like we had to shorten a lot of it down. We had to pretty much review her life where in other cases we have so little information that we're really allowed to dive in deep and look at all the little details. This one, we're going to expand on some of the little details that we missed out. And yeah, you should definitely check out the articles too. Oh yeah, definitely check out the articles. I think I did a great job on them. They're really good. Really. Also, really quick before we move on, I just realized that I should say this before we really, really dive in. Um, the Making for History anniversary is coming up. Which oh is yeah! Super exciting. March fourth, also my birthday, because I started this project on my birthday. It's going to be our second, second anniversary. Yes. Yeah. So we've been around for two years. We're pretty amazing. Send Laura birthday messages and happy anniversary messages. Yes, definitely do that. I'll be so happy. I might cry. I might even read them out on the next episode. Who knows? But definitely, you know, contact us on the anniversary and look out for any cool things that happen there. I might just not do anything because it's my birthday and I do what I want. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Or I might do something extravagant because it's my birthday and I do what I want. You're right. It's really one end of the spectrum or the other. It's not going to be a middle ground. You're right. All right, let's get into Bricktop. She was born in 1894 in West Virginia, August 14th. And she was just like, even from birth, she seems to have been like this really cool person. She started doing theater from the age of five and she starred in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm -hmm. And then when she was 16, she joined something called the Theater Owners Booking Association. Toba. The Toba. Yeah, Toba. And then she just kept starring in plays. And she kept doing acting. And she kept being a star. And I believe at some point, I don't have the time, but she started working at a cafe singing alongside with Florence Mills. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't really, like, particular on what kind of art she performed as long as she got to stand on stage and and perform. That was what counted for her. Exactly. She even is on record as saying that she wasn't... She admits she was like, I'm not the greatest singer or even the greatest dancer, but what I am is what I am amazing at is being a performer. It was like all about charisma there. Just to point, jump off of that, she said this about herself. I'm no singer. I'm a personality. Nobody ever came to hear me. They came to see me. Which is incredibly true. Yeah. And like, not that she was a really bad singer or she was also a pretty incredible dancer. But it was really her personality and her charisma that drew people to her. And yeah, so she was really like, she moved to to Paris from New York in 1924. And she immediately befriended Langston Hughes. 
Yep, she immediately befriended Langston Hughes. She was working at a place where she thought she was going to get a big audience, but she saw the stage and she just started crying. And Langston Hughes was a busboy at that place. And he, like, took her aside and he gave her soup and they just talked for a little while. And Langston Hughes remembers her so fondly. And she remembered Langston Hughes very fondly. And this was before Langston Hughes was Langston Hughes, right? He was this a busboy at this point. He was point, just a busboy. And they were just, like, pals. Mm-hmm. And he took care of her for a little while and just helped her out and got her confidence back a little bit. So she was excited to go on that stage. And I believe, if I remember correctly, she she started out in this cafe and she was, I don't remember what it was called. Le Duc? Le Duc? I don't know how to pronounce French things. But she, it was a very small place, as Laura just said. And there very few people came on the first day. And then like the second time she performed, very few people came, but she slowly built up this huge audience that filled the place. And then she earned money giving dance lessons to celebrities, teaching them dances like the Charlestons and the Black Bottom. And then she bought her own place. Well, technically, oh my bad. she didn't buy her own place. She got the help of Cole Porter, You're right. who was a man who absolutely adored Bricktop. She remembered Cole Porter and their friendship, and and said that he was always standing right there behind me until I became Bricktop, the one and only. That's good. And he really supported her, and he insisted that they name the club they bought together Shea Bricktop, after her instead of him. Which is really cool. And then she just ran it, and it grew really big. She befriended people like Scott F. Fitzgerald. Who, by the way, is recorded as saying... My only claim to fame is that I discovered Bricktop before Cole Porter did. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And also Fred and Adele Astaire and Janga Reinhardt. Fred and Adele Astaire also performed their dance numbers before they there at Shea Bricktop before they came to Broadway. So they would rehearse there and then go to Broadway. Which is pretty incredible. Also Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington, who she helped actually bring up in Paris, because one of the really big things that she focused on while there is she looked at African Americans and she's like, Paris is so much better, guys. And while she brought a lot of false hope, because she did have a lot of economic privilege, she still really worked to walk the walk instead of just talking the talk. She supported people who came from, uh, specifically Black people who came from America to Paris because of her. And she really supported them, supported their dreams, taught them things. One of those people is Duke Ellington. Another one of those people is someone we've written about before, Josephine Baker. Long live Josephine Baker. Well, she's dead. Well, you know. But they're also said to have had an affair. Yes. Uh, I believe Bricktop talked to Josephine Baker's son. And told him about them sleeping together. Yeah. Um, this was also the son that revealed that Josephine Baker was bisexual and was very explicit about that, while other historians were like, well, she liked women sometimes. He was like, no, she's bisexual. She was bisexual. She was my mother. I know more than you. I, lo- I, I love him. He was amazing. I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. But yeah, so Bricktop has said that they did sleep together. But she also supported a lot of different people in a lot of other ways and just like supporting their careers. One person you can probably recognize the name of is Mabel Mercer, who was also an incredible singer, who Bricktop supported and, you know, helped while she was in Paris. 
And yeah, she talked a lot about how Paris had just different racial relations relations than America did. And even so much so as to get her own radio program from the government. Yeah, she did a radio program for the French government running from 1938 to 1937. Uh, 1939. Mm-hmm. I don't know much more about it because I haven't found any a lot of information. But she had a radio program and she wrote articles about just how amazing Paris was in comparison to America for a person of color. Yeah, so she brought along a, a lot of black people and African Americans along from from the states and into Paris. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool to so, like start. She started a movement of people. Yep, and she really worked her hardest to support those people when they got there. And even though some people definitely did slip through the cracks, you can see some of the impact of her in the people that she supported. She was also married. Yes. Uh, She married New Orleans musician Peter Lange in 1929. Uh, They got separated in 1932, that's three years later, but they never got divorced. Because Bricktop converted to Catholicism at a later point in her life and said that divorces wasn't something that she was here for. And that's fair, you know, religious faith and all that. Mm-hmm. She also said um, that the person who made the biggest impression on her and on her club was a man named Jack Johnson. Uh, the first black heavyweight boxing champion. And yeah, she talked a lot about him, apparently. Because there's a lot of quotes where, where she's talking about him. But the one that I remember is, Greatness comes from knowing who he is, being satisfied with nothing but the best, and still behaving like a warm, gracious human being. And I, I, feel, like, I feel like that goes for breaks up as well. Yeah. Because that sounds like she's sort of describing herself mm-hmm. while also describing this other man. And not only did she have this huge influence on all these, you know, people of color and incredibleness, but she also laid down the rules for a couple, like, other people in her life, including John Steinbeck, oh, who, yeah. while at her club, did something, quote-unquote, ungentlemanly, which we still don't know what that was. Who knows? Maybe we'll never know. But to get back in her good favors... He bought her an entire cab full of flowers. Wasn't there? What, weren't they roses? They were roses. Yeah, imagine that. Just, just having an entire cab full of roses as an apology. And I think she still didn't let him in for another week. I would do the same. Yeah, Shea Bricktop was the place to go for the lost generation artists. Even though she was not an artist in the way that a lot of the other ones were, though she was a singer and she was a dancer, she her main focus was on the club itself. There, She was still undeniably a huge part of the lost generation, earning her name to be placed a, alongside of people like Scotta Fitzgerald and all these other really incredible people. No, no one really remembers her, but like everyone who knew her does. Yeah. And tries to make sure that people do. Definitely. I remember reading stories about how she, she would sometimes perform at Shea Bricktop herself, though most of her focus was on running the club. She had performances that started like, she was standing at like the, the desk, her desk, and that's where her performance started. And she would pause her songs just to make sure that guests paid her before moving on with a song. 
And that makes sense, you know? Yeah. She was a very fine businesswoman. Yeah. Uh, there's this quote in one of the ar- in one of the articles I read. And while her warmth, grace, and keen business skills made Ricked up a celebrated hostess, it was her humanity that made her beloved. And that's really, really true. You find actual royalty who remembered Bricktop as this incredible person. One example of that is Aga Khan III. Oh, yeah. Who came to Bricktop and, and kissed her hand. And he was like, how does it feel to have your hand kissed by royalty? And she basically said, she was like, it feels like anyone else who's ever kissed my hand. Royalty are no different than other people. Yeah. Which was a pretty intense thing to say at that time. Like, we, we want to pretend like the monarchy was a thing of the past, but it was still very around. Mm, definitely. And she was just, yeah, she had, did all these cool things and met all these cool people. She was close friends, I believe, with the Duke and the Duchess of Windsor. Mm-hmm. She she taught um, the Prince of Wales how to dance. How to do the Charleston, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, wow. She taught a lot of people how to do the Charleston. I say that a part of the credit of the Charleston being so popular can go yeah. to Bricktop. I'm gonna think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I do not know how to do the Charleston. Well, the the best person to teach you is dead. So you've lost. You Rip. missed your opportunity. Oh man. Okay. But honestly, so much of what was incredible about her life is how she forged connections with anyone she met and while we know about these famous people that she met because you know they, they tell us and, and we have all these quotes from them there were probably so many people who were less famous whose stories we never get to hear about her because you know they weren't famous but they probably still definitely loved her because as we saw from Langston Hughes she didn't just give her attention to famous people she gave her attention to busboys and her staff and all these different people and she supported them the best she could and she's just an incredible person I mean, I literally have a list here of people who knew her, and it's Langston Hughes, Josephine Baker, Martin Luther King Jr., Florence Mills, Scott F. Fitzgerald, Cole Porter, Aga Khan III, Fred and Adele Astaire, Mabel Mercer, John Steinbeck, Duke Ellington, Duchess and Duke of Windsor, Frank Sinatra, Elizabeth Taylor, and Ava Gardner. That's that's an incredible list. That could just be a list of really cool people. Yep, but it's a list of people that... Bricktop knew, and that all loved Bricktop. Yeah. And that's just the top of it. Yeah. Would you say it's a Bricktop? Yes. Nice. Thank you. And it's just so incredible how this this queer woman, this this African-American queer woman, moved away from America, came to Paris, started out in a teeny tiny cafe, and then she grew to have this movement of people. Mm-hmm. Just because she was so human and so warm and so incredible incredibly delightful i read i read a quote uh that she was saying when i'm alone with anyone i call them darling except the duke of windsor i've always called him sire and yeah she was just an incredible incredible woman yeah and i feel like there's so many parts and so many stories and memories that we don't know about Mm -hmm. probably because so many yeah so many of the people she knew and was around weren't famous yeah and their stories weren't told and we probably missed out on so much. But imagine, like, look at all the all the information we do have about her, right? And then that's probably just, like, 5% of it. Yeah. And she really deserves, from everything that we've seen, she really deserves the love she got, both throughout her life and after it. She's remembered as this incredible, incredible woman because she was an incredible, incredible woman. And all these different people we've talked about are remembered as incredible artists or incredible scientists or things. And... 
one of the best things we can say is Bricktop was just an incredible friend to have and an incredible person to know. And now we're going to pause and jump on to part two, which you can hear once it is released, which is coming up very we'll probably come out. Existed, but we'll be talking about your life during World War II and post-World War II. Telling the stories of those Sunday we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. Living, we breathe, and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is clearer than Just what 